Hi, I'm your host, James Barrow, a creative turned marketing director with over 20 years' experience in the advertising industry. Join me as I go behind the scenes with a range of innovative thinkers. Hear what inspires them, their processes, and the methods to their madness. Find insights that can help unlock your creative potential and apply them in your life, career, and business. Right here on the B side with James Barrow. What does it take to create a truly good idea? In episode 22 of The B-Side, I speak to Alex Wadelton, a creative director and author from Melbourne with over 20 years' experience in the advertising industry. Alex has created award-winning campaigns for clients like the AFL, Cricket Australia, Wrigley's, the University of Melbourne, Gatorade and Schweppes. And he's come up with some ideas that have done a world of good too, which we chat about on the show, like the statue of Indigenous AFL superstar Nikki Winmars, iconic and defiant stance against racism, the future landfill campaign where he took on the might of Woolworths to highlight how a short-term sales promotion featuring crappy little plastic toys can cause long-term damage to the environment. And he's just launched the Million Dollar Teddy Bear for Epilepsy Action Australia to help support people of all ages with epilepsy. His first book, The Right Brain Workout, which he co-wrote with Russell Howcroft, was a bestseller, and they've recently launched the follow-up, The Right Brain Workout 2. Alex is an incredibly passionate, humble and super nice guy, doing truly good work that we should all get behind and be inspired by. I really enjoyed the chat, and I'm sure you will too. Cheers. I'm in the house with Alex Wadelton. He's in Melbourne. Uh, you've come out of lockdown. Things are looking good. Things are looking up. You've got a new book out, a follow-up to The Right Brain Workout. It's The Right Brain Workout Part 2. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff, all things creativity. How are you, Alex? I'm very well. I can't complain. Uh, definitely out of lockdown and feeling a lot better. And it's sunny, so that's always a good start. I'd really like to thank you uh, for coming on the podcast. I have been a fan of your work for some time. I do have a copy of the Right Brain Workout. And what I particularly like about it and why it's so relevant to have you on is that you're really trying to help people unlock the the creativity that lives within all of us. And what I liked about your, your book as well is you help do this in a series of steps that play out over 10 weeks. And if you just dedicate a bit of time to to it like I did even though I have a creative background you just unlock something whether it's you know the best ideas in the world or not but you're just tapping into these new little areas of your brain that you haven't quite uh, tapped into yet or haven't had the opportunity to or maybe never have done before so I really really love your work mate anyway I just wanted to get that off the table first. Yeah, so good. Fantastic. <laughs> well that's, a, that's the sort of thing it is sort of thing you just do it a few minutes a day and you have yeah. some fun as well, you know, and then you never know, it might leach into some other part of your life. And then when you, you get thrown a curly problem, you can go, oh, actually, maybe I can think about that slightly differently. So that's the hope that you sort of, you have some fun and it helps you be creative in all aspects of your life, not just in answering questions in the book, but in you know, doing things in business or in relationships or mm. at home with your kids and just stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it really gives you – it's almost like flexing a certain muscle that we don't often get the chance to, to use, isn't it? I think you're right. Like it's saying that working that muscle. Yeah, so that's what kind of the book is about is that we're trying to get people to understand that you are creative. Like yeah, there's studies around that in the 60s that 98% of kids are actually super highly creative, almost at genius level of creativity, and then it just gets knocked out of you because you become serious. You become told this is the right way things, right way to do things. Everyone overthinks it. Whereas creativity can just be in the moment and sparks of genius can come out of nowhere. And 
you know, some of the most successful companies and businesses and people in, in the world are the most creative people. It's like we like to tell this story about, um, you know, Sydney Opera House. Uh, that's the design of someone going back to being a five-year-old like Jorn Utzon. He was at breakfast. He was cutting up oranges and he just sort of started to arrange them and went, actually, that's an amazing potential shape for a building and that's just by playing around and goofing off it's not by being serious it's not sitting at a computer it's just going free form and the most amazing building probably almost in the world was created like that and so we've all got that ability you just need to sort of unlock that work that creative creative brain in your head and uh you you never know what's possible it it makes you makes you wonder as well how how often you hear the term, just do it, just get it out there, just do it. Like the first idea doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be this perfectly polished little thing. It's like a little, you know, it's an infantile little thought and you can add to it almost. And I think a lot of the time people get a little intimidated because they feel like they've got to have these. Like imagine Utzon said, oh, I can't make that idea happen because, you know, I've got to think about the tiles and I've got to think about the ergonomic structures and those that mirror, um, you know, the surrounds of Sydney and, you know, we want it to kind of feel like it's this... No, it wouldn't have happened. (laughs) Wow, they're interesting shapes. Isn't that cool? Well, that that was what's interesting about it. Like, it's also like Jorn Utzon came up with this idea, but then it's the 100 people who actually ended up approving it. Like, there's there's so many other designs because it was an open brief to the world. And they they could have chosen much more famous architects who had much bigger track records. But, you know, the guys at the top just went, no, this is amazing and it's different. And then when it was awarded, all the builders and engineers are like, we can't make this. This is impossible. But they just have, they have to figure it out. And that's sometimes what's the best thing. The things that seem impossible that aren't perfect end up being the thing that 20 years later, everyone goes, oh, my God, that's so far ahead of its time. It's so amazing. And that's what we need to do is not, yeah, like you said, not overthink it and just go, yeah, just think of it, get it out there. And enough people might go, actually, that's amazing that that, that, that you can turn it into something. Yeah. yeah. I really love the idea that the simpler it is, the the easier it is for people to jump on board. Because when people do see an idea, they understand. It makes more sense for that idea to be something that isn't so much um, – I've seen that before, but I understand that. I understand the genius in that. And that way you get advocates. You get people who go, you know, I can contribute somehow, man, because... Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I don't think that's often the case with the best creative ideas is that not everybody gets them at the start, but the advocates might. So you get that small percentage and they have a, a loud enough voice and enough experience to go, no, this is something you need to believe in and that can change the world. And we kind of need more of that. I mean, particularly in Australia, I think we look at the top the top five exports in Australia at the moment. They're all pulling things out of the ground. So it's gold, it's petroleum, it's coal, and that's not going to last forever. It's literally a finite resource. But our brains are not a finite resource, our creativity. So let's push that and have some fun doing it. I love what you've said there, and I'm, I'm super passionate about this as well. And, in fact, I would love to work with people like yourself in order to try and create. Now, I'm going to use those terms Instead of pulling shit out of the ground and creating a massive donut of Australia, let's pull things out of people's heads and get more yeah, people brilliant. thinking creatively. So it's like a creative mine, essentially, and you're just mining ideas. Yeah. And the, the reason we've got to have more people thinking creatively is we want to broaden our patch of land to be able to draw those resources on. So, mate, I'm super, super passionate about that, and I'd love to pick that up with you at some point. But... 
what I'd love to do is just go back to the beginning. Just give us a bit of a backstory as to who you are, where you're from, what you do. and Yeah, sure. So uh, my dad was a creative director in advertising and I saw the stuff that he was kind of doing and I kind of went, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Arrogant youth, I can do that. I can do that better than him. Uh, so I just sort of kind of saw that and it looked like it was fun. Didn't have super amounts of friends at school. I spent a lot of time on my own. So I did a lot of long walking. And when you're walking on your own, you kind of have to think of stuff to amuse yourself. So I yeah, kind of yeah. just a lot of that, a lot of time spent in my bedroom alone, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so that maybe, you know, don't, don't know what that, uh, you can psychoanalyze me uh, for the next five hours about that if you want. You know, went to uni, did RMIT, sort of dropped out of the advertising course there and then did the TAFE course and just sort of just was floating around and then just started working my follow and just started pestering people and got a job in advertising at Adtown, which is no longer exists, working on brushes, which no longer exists. Um, and then after brushes went out of business, I worked on Ansett, which no longer exists. So it wasn't probably <laughs> wasn't probably the greatest start. Um, but yeah, I just enjoyed it. Um, just started as an art director, sort of always wanting to be an advertising writer, and then just worked in lots of agencies across Australia and Sydney. Um, and just kind of worked, kept working in big agencies. And then a few years ago, I was just like, uh, I can't work in agencies anymore. I just need to do something for myself, and started freelancing. And because of that, I've had so much more time to do so many more projects for social good and for, for the therapy for myself to help people, which yeah. makes me a lot happier because working advertising is a super unbelievably pressurized industry. Um, and it feels like a little bit like why is it so super high pressure when most of the time you're trying to sell some stuff and it should be fun. So I kind of got a bit burnt, burnt out by it all. I worked in big agencies, ran a small little agency, and I didn't enjoy managing people. I just like to come up with ideas and make them. So now I just sit around and think of the dumbest ideas I can think of and try and make them, basically. You've had some cracker ideas and you continue to just pump these amazing initiatives out. I wondered if you could talk about where and how you decided that that's where you wanted to focus your attention and that's where you got the most joy as a creative. Yeah, there were a few a few things sort of changed my mind about who I wanted to be and what I wanted to achieve in life. Um, I was working at an agency and I got given a sports betting brief for yeah. probably five years ago, which is nothing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with sports betting. Like people can have a punt and have some fun. But mm. the proposition on that brief was it's better to bet and lose than to not bet at all. <sighs> And I was like, I don't know if that's necessarily a great thing yeah. to be putting into the universe. That's not good vibes. Yeah. So I said, I'm not working on that brief. I would imagine that would have been when you were, weren't exactly like an ECD or anything like that. You would have been still sort of clawing your way out of the bucket. There would have mm. been a whole bunch of others who would have thrown themselves at that brief. But for you to show that sort of resolve and that, that determination to not work on something that you really didn't believe in. I mean, that would have been pretty challenging at the time. Yeah, yeah. it was. And th basically everyone else in the meeting was like, what are you talking about? What's the problem with that? I'm like, <laughs> can you just repeat what you just said? It's better to yeah. bet and lose than to not bet at all. Can't you see the problems of that with all the things about all the problems that sports gambling can do to people who have that addictive trait? So, you know, maybe you can do it in a way that doesn't, that's, that sounds like you're preying on people. And you shouldn't be preying on people. So, so people were a bit flabbergasted, but it just felt the wrong thing to do. So um, so I just decided not to do it. And then I, obviously you have kids as well. So we've got had kids as well. And then I've, we've got quite a lot of um, 
sicknesses in our family. So my son uh, has anaphylaxis to wheat, rye, and barley, so he was sick all the time. So he was in hospital a lot of the time. Um, uh, so one time we were in Royal Children's Hospital, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was sort of walking through feeling sorry for him. Why has he got this horrible allergy? He's got asthma and all these sorts of things. And I saw a, a woman pushing along their little five or six year old kid and they had like a 30 minute 30 centimeter scar in their head and i kind of just went oh well it's not we haven't got freaking brain cancer here we can manage this allergy to a degree so i just thought in that moment maybe i can do something to raise money for for kids with with cancer so i came up with this idea called one buck one pluck i don't know if you've sort of seen this one this is one of the first things i did which is basically um for every dollar people donated i would pluck one hair out of my head. Uh, and so it was, I remember reading about this. Genius. It was completely yeah. pretty crazy. So uh, that went that went kind of nuts and raised, you know, over $7,000 and I was looked like an absolute psycho with half my hair missing, <laughs> half a pluck, pluck my hair out. And that's such a good response and I felt so good doing it and the camp quality people reached out to me and they were just the most amazing people I'd ever met in a marketing department, like the, the person I was dealing with at the time who's now left there. Uh, she's just an amazing woman, and um, she's she worked in corporate, and then she she just got offered this job to do because she was feeling the same way about am I doing the right thing, flogging stuff? Maybe I can do something. And so she took a job at Camp Quality, basically on half the amount of money. And she said she's never been happier because every day she sees how she's changing. She's part of something that changes people's lives and and gives them so much joy. So I did that for one buck, one pluck. Became friends with them. Did another thing for them called you know Camp Quality Christmas Crack Ups, where we got comedians to write the Christmas cracker jokes because they're always so terrible. So we actually made them funny, <laughs> and that raised like another 160 grand or something in like six weeks or something and i just started to go why can't i just do this all the time so yeah that's what kind of was just like i need to do this more often so i just started doing this sort of stuff um as much as i could on the side when i left agency land but because when you're in an agency you just can't do this stuff because you just owned but when i was freelance I could just do stuff for myself because it's just me making them, yeah. getting my friends to help out all my amazing friends who I've met along the way. And they're just, everyone's so excited to try and do something that's positive, you know, and people have volunteer their time, like all these things I do. I don't make a dime off them, but I volunteer because I just, they're the right thing to do. I want to do them. They make me happy. They make other people happy. There's no downside. Although if someone, if someone listening to this wants to pay me a lot of money to think of stuff like this, that's totally, <laughs> totally fine. But I'm happy just doing it because it's, it's the right thing to do. We need some good vibes in the world. Like, you know, you watch the news, how depressing the news is. Oh, let's, let's, put a, let's put a bit of fun and life yeah. and joy and help people who are struggling and maybe we can all feel a bit better about ourselves. Mate, you that you hundred percent right. I mean, the world does need a bit more joy, doesn't it? And that really comes through your work. It's just, it's not pretentious. It's not. It's not preachy. It's just fun, and it's based on a really good cause, you know. And I, I just love that. I think it's brilliant. And hats off to you, man, and your advocates. I love the you know the million dollar Teddy and the Nikki Winmar stuff and the even the Oshies thing. Like, I, I worked on Woolworths quite a while. I worked at Droga Five and helped relaunch the fresh food people back in, I don't know what it was, 2012. And then I worked again at Leo Bennett on Woolworths again. And the Ushies thing, like I, I've shared my opinions on it openly. It just, it's just tonally, 
I don't feel it's right for the brand. You know, well, you they've even it. had a lot of their shareholders at the last board meeting were like, I know the Ushis are making a lot of money, but it's bad. And they're it's getting totally. pressure and they're getting more and more pressure. Like I think that yeah. I even saw, I even saw, uh, you know, Gruen, they had a little, they did a little thing on, um, you know, Woolworths saying they want to be more environmentally friendly. So they made, you know, they made these little tags that you could put on your key ring to say, remember to, bring your shopping bags but they put it in a little plastic bag you know like oh, like dirt <laughs> it's just but, like they, they, they almost want to do the right thing but they still just idea, can't totally. get it right through the whole yeah whole le- all the levels it's still hard but we're slowly chipping away we're slowly slowly starting to, to understand that there's a better way sunlight always sort of helps purify the discussion at least doesn't it and if you're the fresh food people sorry Woolworths, but i'm just going to give you a bit of brand 101 here right uh, alex and i will give you this for free fresh food requires natural elements you don't put more plastic shit out in the market because Absolutely. you're the fresh food people man you want it to be all natural anyway but well that's also the other thing that that uh, um, bemuses me about both coles and, and woolworths is like if you try to get the fresh food that is organic they wrap it up in plastic and polystyrene because they've sacked all the uh, people <laughs> shop assistants so because they don't trust you to scan it properly. Yeah, <laughs> it's just <yeah>. like, <laughs> what? Yeah, and like, like uh, uh, I was started thinking and I actually had someone reach out to me and I need to actually reply to them about, well, like nowadays you can get at least compostable plastic bags. Why can't yeah, they at least save that in the fresh fruit and veggie sections now? Absolutely. Like there's a new thing. It might cost some extra three cents per hundred bags or something. I don't know. But yeah. just surely we can make that change. So maybe we'll start to – might be the next target. Yeah. I think compostable bags is like a must. I think it should be a must. Let's just take it from a property standpoint, like a property perspective. That that plastic takes up – even if – like people understand the value of property, right? That plastic takes up a, a space, and that space is worth – some amount, even though it's in a landfill. Imagine we'd said to them, okay, if you want to create your things out of plastic that hangs around for a thousand years and you're putting it putting it into landfill, land that is owned by the First Nations of this country, we're going to charge you rent for that yeah. plastic that you decide yeah. that you don't want to biodegrade. The longer it hangs around, the more rent you pay for well, using the- this indigenous land for your dumping ground you know that's the sort of stuff man i mean well that's the sort of thing as like environmental as soon as there's money's money involved it changes the conversation because Mm. as soon as australia realizes there is a hell of a lot of money to be made in sustainable energy uh figuring out ways to do things but like that's going to be a humongous growth sector so we should be getting onto that not still trying to go not trying to re pump the um the economy up with getting pushing natural gas and coal and stuff like yeah it's like that's not going to last and yeah, the, the rest yeah. of the world is moving past that yeah. so we need to think of the innovative things that we can be a part of and we can make a lot of money oh, like totally the country huge. could make so much money so many people can make a lot of money by doing this thing and it's going to be better for the world mate and, and we're still in the early stages that people talk oh. about oh but you know solar panels are made in China and you're only supporting it's like bullshit mate we could as if we couldn't make solar panels we could probably make the best solar panels in the world man and from a brand standpoint we're the sunburnt country you know exactly. it's almost like the Germans are associated with um, cars right and engineering Australia could literally the brand Australia could literally be associated with solar this technology is in its infancy so there's room for people to start owning those territories mate we've covered so much ground already <laughs> <laughs> 
So we talked a lot about purpose. Please talk about the Million Dollar Teddy Bear, mate, because I know that's a, a recent initiative. So basically my daughter has epilepsy. She developed it about two years ago. It was the most horrible day of my life, just about. Like we were just out at dinner one day. We were having a mid-chat. We were having a chat, a mid-conversation. She just froze with her hands in the air. I was like, Lala, are you okay? She's six years old. And she just didn't respond. And like eyes rolled back in the back of her head and she just toppled off the side of the chair in this restaurant. I was like, well, God, has she just died? And then she started convulsing on the ground and I was like screaming and yelling, Lala, Lala, wake up, get an ambulance, get an ambulance. The restaurant closed the, the place down. We got an ambulance there and I thought she just wasn't responsive at all. I thought maybe she choked on something. I tried to open her, open her clenched jaw to see and she, I was able to open it and some blood came out. I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? But she was just out, completely out. But I could tell she was breathing. I was like, she's not dead. She might be completely brain damaged now because she just cannot talk. She cannot move. She cannot open her eyes. It was horrific. And so eventually um, the ambulance came and uh, she had she had another one of these massive convulsions in the ambulance. Um, my wife took her to the hospital because I had to take my son who was crying in the corner. <laughs> Obviously, I had to take him home, get the grandparents over. In the meantime, my wife's phone had actually died, so I didn't have a contact for three or four hours while I got everything organized. So I thought maybe I'm going to go to the hospital and find that my daughter is dead. Eventually got there. She was alive. Well, she was asleep, but she, she when she, she kept waking up, she didn't recognize me. She couldn't talk, didn't know what was going on. It was horrific. Um, and then at the end of the night, that she was able to sit up and say, say mama was her first word. And after a little while, they're like, oh, well, some kids just have seizures, so you can go home now. We're like, what do you mean? What does that mean? She, she developed, and they're like, oh, well, just, just, just monitor her, we'll do some tests and stuff. And then a few weeks later at school, she said to one of her friends, oh, I want to have, have a little lie down for a minute. And she went ahead and she disappeared, and then they found her passed out in the toilet at school with bruises down the side of her face. So she had another seizure and then she had another seizure on the way to the hospital again. So she has got diagnosed with epilepsy. Those are tonic clonic um, seizures. So eventually I've started just, that's why I started donating. We brought out the right brain workout one, the right brain workout two. We donate 10% of the sales to epilepsy action Australia, who are just these amazing people who sort of just took care of her. They sent her a little teddy bear, a Ted E bear, which the E stands for epilepsy, which is beautiful, which um, which she calls baby bear. And so um, I saw every year they have this thing called Purple Day, which they hold in March. Uh, But because of COVID, all of that got shut down. So all their fundraisers for the year got shut down. So I just started thinking, what can I do to try and raise some money? And so I just launched this thing a few weeks ago called the Million Dollar Teddy Bear. What we're trying to do is we've got a teddy bear. We've got the same teddy bear that Lila has, but we've we've got a new version of the teddy bear and we've got him dressed by Christian Kimber, the 2019 National Designer of the Year. His brother also has epilepsy and dressed him on these amazing clothes. So he looks like a million bucks and we're trying to find one amazing philanthropist or corporation with a heart of gold to spend a million dollars on this bear, on um, the million dollar teddy bear. So if you or any of you listeners know any multimillionaires who want to help out because there's 250,000 Australians actually have epilepsy, which is yeah. a pretty staggering amount. It's like a 1% of the population. 
And then you think about all the family and friends of them. It's probably millions of people are affected by epilepsy, all, they've, all, the, all the people who have it. And so I just want to do something that can help Epilepsy Action Australia continue to do the amazing things they do. Like they've got this nurse line, they're funding research. And maybe we can, because no one knows how, what causes epilepsy. Like they're no. just like, we keep asking doctors, what, why, what, what, what is epilepsy? How does she get it? And they're just like, ah, don't know. She's just, she's just got it now. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we we understand so much about the world, about the human body, but this brain is a complete mystery. It is. So we're trying to do something that if we can find a million bucks, that would mean so much so to much. so many people. And also the idea behind it was like, you know, this year we've all, a lot of people lost jobs and job keeper yeah. and probably don't have as much money as in the past. So, but you know who still has a lot of money? Billionaires, yeah. <laughs> a million bucks. A million bucks to them is a few hours' work. Not even a few hours' work. That's yeah. finding some loose change down the back of a couch. So, totally. um, hopefully, we can find someone. It's launched. It's going really well. We've got a bunch of celebrities on board who've been promoting it and stuff. And so, That's it's just fantastic. something really passionate about. And hopefully, we can find a million, uh, yeah, a millionaire to to go to milliondollarteddybear dot com. And we're also hoping people could um could use the hashtag million dollar teddy bear on their socials and just start tagging rich people and say, come yeah. on, surely you've got a million bucks to help yeah. all these people like Lila, um, who's just an amazing, beautiful girl. I think it's a great initiative and, and, and thank you so much for starting it. My um, mother, mother-in-law, who's no longer with us, my wife's mum had epilepsy as well and, and my wife can speak very frankly about some of the um, times where she had to pick her mother up or yeah. roll her mother over and so on and... Yeah, you're right. I mean, just to be told that they don't know why it happens, it's a neurological disorder that we know nothing about, and that yeah. is scary. You know, it really is, and it's very common. So, whatever you can do, people, to support this, let's start with the advertising and creative and marketing industries. Guys, get behind it. Yeah, well, it's also that awareness thing because I think because before Lila developed epilepsy. We'd never thought about it. And the only thing, the only time you ever think about epilepsy is maybe you're watching a movie and it says, this may have flashing lights and may set up epilepsy. So everyone thinks that epilepsy is the flashing light thing. And it's not. They're like, that's one part of it. There's dozens of these types of different um, um, epilepsy things. So like she started doing this sound as well. She started making this huh, sound and just staring off into the distance, like for five or 10 seconds. She just kept doing that all the time like 30 40 50 times a day and then she was in an eeg doing a one of the tests they do is like a blow test so she's sort of blowing on a one of those pinwheels to get her to breathe and so she's sort of almost hyperventilating and she made one of those sounds in an eeg and the the operator was like oh that's an absent seizure so there's just so many different types of, of epilepsy and it's it's really interesting that we no one understands, no one knows about it. But when you develop, like you got a family member, you all of a sudden go, oh, you talk to someone about epilepsy, it's like like you. Oh, my mother-in-law has it, or my cousin has it, or I had that as a kid. Like it's just amazing how many people have it, and they have no idea what causes it. So, as I say, that's why when we did the book, the Right Brain Workout, which is all about. You know, releasing the pathways to the creative side of your brain because we don't understand it. That's why I thought it's a natural fit to try and you know raise some funds. Raise, raise some funds for some amazing people doing you know, incredible things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. More power to you, man, and please, everyone, get behind it. Hey, on the topic of that book, just switching gears somewhat, um, have a, let, talk to us about the Right Brain work, Workout Part 1, and then maybe let's go into the follow-up. Yeah, sure. So the Right Brain Workout, basically what it is is it's the sub 
subhead is uh, retrain your brain to be more creative in 10 weeks. So what it is, it's a little handbook. It's 10 weeks of questions, different question on every page. I've got it here and in front of me. Okay. Even Very though these good. aren't video, we're not launching the video yet, probably next year, but I've got a little copy of this myself and I think it's a cracker book. So Yeah, thank you. And yeah, every day it's a different question written by different creative people. So in Round one, we had people like Waleed Ali and Tommy Little, um, people like that. I don't know if you know um, Ben Cousins from Thinkerbell. He's yes. the ECD of Thinkerbell yeah. and founder of Thinkerbell. So he's also um, on the side, he's also uh, uh, a guitarist in a heavy metal band called Mammoth Mammoth. So his question <laughs> last year, he's an art director background, his question last year was uh, design your surname as a heavy metal logo. So then you find that page and then you fill in your yeah. design to design your, like, yeah, which is great. Um, and then, which is quite interesting, is like you can do the questions and then you can flick to the back of the book and see who wrote each question. So then you yeah. can psychoanalyze the person. So, oh, he's an art director <laughs> in his heavy metal band and his question relates those, puts those two things together, which is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. Let's, um, let's do that right now. So I'm going to just randomly open the book and I'm just going to pick Hermie the Love Crab. <laughs> Question 21. Imagine you're, not a, imagine you're not a dog person or a cat person, but a hermit crab person. Convince someone to be a hermit crab person too. <laughs> well, they can go pick up your shoes and uh, maybe your slippers in the morning like, with their little pincers. That'd also be good, like... You know how, how hard walnuts are to open? Just give them to I can crack them open for you at Christmas. Perfect. Hey, Hermie, come here for a tick, mate. <laughs> exactly. Click, click, done. Perfect. Uh, that's fantastic. And so that's 21. So I'd go back to the, the back of the page and I'd find 21. You know, someone's going to be incriminated here. Yep. Shannon Crow. Shannon. <laughs> so Shannon wrote that question. That's fantastic. Shannon's Shannon, an amazing person. She's yeah. brilliant. Oh, do you think creative writer? Uh, alpha Mama. She's an alpha yeah. mama. I love that, an alpha mama. She's one of the world's most awarded advertising copywriters. There you go. Passionately, uh, passionate university lecturers and proudest advocates of equality within the advertising industry. Awesome. Thanks, Shannon. But, yeah, there's a whole bunch of this stuff. Get yeah. this book if you haven't got it. And get part two, which has just come out, I understand. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we just came out uh, earlier this week. And it was really exciting because, like, right brain workout because you're always nervous about, you know, will these things succeed? And then within within two weeks, they'd already ordered a reprint. And then a month later, they said, can we have a second book? So that was like a good sign. <laughs> so it just came out this week. And again, we've got just lots of different questions. Um, amazing people. Like Andrew Hansen from The Chaser has written question. Uh, comedian Dave Thornton, Professor Alan Duffy. So we've got sort of, we've even got the, the um, I know you're at Macquarie, but we've got the Chief Marketing Officer of Monash University has written a question for it. So we've got lots of business people, like the Business Book of the Year winner, from she wrote uh, Andrea Clark wrote Future Fit. She's an amazing woman. She's written a question for it. Uh, so just lots of different people. And it's the sort of thing that you do this every day. You do it for five or ten minutes, and you never know how it's going to help you in the rest of your life. Um, and it's also a bit of mindfulness. Like I think our sort of thing is as well. Like people do crosswords, people do Sudoku every day, but there's always a correct answer for that. You have to get it right or it's wrong. Whereas with creativity, the magical thing about creativity is. There is no wrong answer. Like you can just come up with something that no one you can you can read a bunch of questions that are utterly, utterly absurd that no one has ever thought of before. And your answer will be something that no one has ever thought of before in the universe as well. <laughs> like that's pretty cool. Rather than really this cool. is this is yeah. rather than you know, you have to do this, you have to do this all day. You can just have five or ten minutes a day where you're just in la la land coming yeah. up with the most random things. And it's sometimes we find it's actually a good thing, like over 
dinner with your kids? Like, yeah. just oh, this is a question today. We're going to do. The, well, tell us about the, how to, um, you know, describe the new dance craze. Dunzing is one of the questions in <laughs> yes. this one. It's like, and then your kids might go, "Oh, I'm going to dance it like this," or someone's like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's going to be some you know, Hasselhoff inspired type <laughs> dance or something on the top of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. I don't know, but just have some fun. Um, and then hopefully it leaches in, into the rest of your life and you can use it in business. Your brain starts to just think a slightly bit differently. And, yeah. um, and like I think I said before, it's like, you know, the, 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 the news is so heavy. And the way I like to sort of look at it is, you know, you watch the news and for 58 minutes it's wall-to-wall the world is ending and then they have a cute panda story at the end. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, let's get the cute panda story at the start of the start news. Of the, yeah. Uh, that's, and that's we can, great. and might, you know, add some joy to your life. So that's kind of the vibe behind the book. Yeah. If you're asking really interesting questions, which your book is filled with, then you're going to have some really interesting outcomes as well. Some of the things that I think, um, we can all learn from from this book is a yeah creativity is in all of us and we just have to flex that muscle more often to be able to unlock it the other thing is i think the advertising industry and i'm not sure what your thoughts are on this could really learn a little bit about acknowledging that fact and there are a myriad of reasons why the advertising industry doesn't do that but i firmly believe and i bang on about this all the time that creating silos within the creative industries is really detrimental to the future of what we do you've got consultancies and companies are taking their creative departments in-house. The creative industries, I believe, aren't doing enough to knock down all the silos they've built over the years. Why isn't it that as soon as you walk through the doors of an agency, let's call it Alex, James and and Bob, um, an agency that says there is no creative department, as soon as you walk through the door, you're part of it. That's the creative department. So everyone who works with within the Alex, James and Bob AJB agency works in the creative department and we only use occupation names. So you're a creative, you're, you're a creative director and you might be a copywriter, you might be a planner, you might be an art director, but we're all creative. You know, you might be an yeah. account service person, but you're a creative. Do you know, like, why is it that we've... Well, I think that's, a, that? that's the thing why I think when you think of creative, people just do think, oh, that's coming up with ideas for you know pictures or words and stuff where it's like there's creativity and everything like science is probably more creative than writing a book like yeah, it could yeah. be changing the face of the world like Absolutely. but you don't we don't see it like that we see it as an art going to an art gallery just that's where you see creative stuff and like yeah, creativity yeah. is everywhere you just look at nature the creativity in nature like you look at mm. look at a bloody spider the thing that they're making it's, yeah. it's intricate it's amazing it's crazy and you know and i think advertising definitely silos everything down and i think but i think there's a, a role for silos in terms of your speciality in crafting something can be yes. as a writer whereas your speciality in you everyone needs to be creative in every aspect of their life but you need to be have a speciality because otherwise you know someone needs to be able to hold the can and say my role yeah. is to i need to write the thing but we can all sit around we can all think of ideas and you know we just need to because it's a joyous thing and it you know, I think a big problem in advertising personally is just the the, the amount of awards that are yeah. in advertising and the mm. pressure in when you're in a creative department in a big agency to win awards, it's crushing, like it's out of control crushing. And people outside of those departments do not care about awards. Like I haven't entered an award show since I've left mainstream advertising because I freelance and I'm so much happier 
And I have this little mantra that I now use, which is aim for achievements, not awards. So, you know, I mean, you know, I think you mentioned it briefly was um, was part of the, 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 the coming up to getting a statue of Nicky Winmar, who's obviously the great Indigenous footballer who has been racially abused, pulled up his jumper one day and said, I'm black and I'm proud. It's this iconic photo. We kind of just was like, why isn't there a statue of that? The funny thing about it was when it launched, when me and Aaron Tyler were the, the guys who sort of pushed pushed it and championed it. And then we got Tanya Hosh at the AFL, who's just an incredible person. She was actually just named Australia's South Australian of the year. She's just a powerhouse, amazing woman. Um, but it, it, when it finally got unveiled at uh, Optus Stadium, at first Optus Stadium, because that's where he's from, he's a Noongar man, Nikki and his whole his family were there. It was on. It was like a week after the Khan Advertising Awards had happened. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had my feed, was my LinkedIn feed was filled with everybody who was saying, I want a gold, gold here, I gold want a line. silver here, and yeah. all, all these lines, which is awesome. It's really great. And then um, the next week I was like, oh, Got a ten foot bronze statue made of the most iconic. I thought that was brilliant. I think I saw. I thought that, that yeah. was like I was like that's. I mean, I'm trying not to be competitive, but it just made me feel I'm so much because this thing, like when the sculptor made it, he said this will last for a thousand years, if not longer. Like if it's taken care of. And so I was just thinking about it, like because I've won a lot of awards, done a lot of ads and stuff, but they're there and then they're gone. Then there's another award show. Whereas this thing's it's going to stand there forever. And everyone's like, when we went to the unveiling and just seeing Indigenous kids going up to it and pulling up their jumper and pointing at the colour of their skin, the mums and dads talking about it with their kids, it was just like, this is what it's all about. Like if, when, when yeah. the society back opens up again, we can properly go to sport. Like 60,000 people a week minimum are going to be walking past this statue and looking at it and just thinking about we all need to be treated equally. Um, and that's amazing legacy that Nikki has created and Wayne Ludby, the photographer who took the photo, they've created this. And that's why we thought we, this needs to live in a physical stage because, you know, one day Nikki's not going to actually be around. So let's have it in a physical space. And it's just something magical about seeing, you know, Nikki silhouetted against where he grew up it's just beautiful and it's just one of the most amazing things i've been involved in it's just it's it's just was the right thing to do and again me and aaron didn't make a dollar in fact i don't know how how many hours months we we took two and a half years to get it made like i can't think of any other word apart from it's amazing and um, people were going to learn a lot from it which is cool oh for sure you're helping other people beat creative block. How do you beat creative block when you're confronted by it? I do a lot of procrastinating, a lot of <laughs> stuffing around and doing nothing. There's a yeah. lot of looking at YouTube. There's a lot of reading things and a lot of, yeah, I like to call it, it's my technical term for it. It's called piss farting about. Uh, <laughs> and then a lot of go for, go. I mean, it's, it's the simplest, oldest trick in the book. But if you're struggling for ideas, go for a walk. Get the mm. blood flowing. Do some yeah. exercise. It just hits your brain. Like I, I do host a, a podcast as well called The Right Brain Warm Up, where I interview creative people, and yeah, they yeah. give they give us tips on that every week. And a lot of them, a lot of them is just go for a walk. Go for a walk. Just go yeah, out. Yeah. And I heard another one, which was I thought was a good one, um, which also I can relate back to an advertising story. Um, I had a, a friend who's director. He's really great, really great director Thomas Charles Highland. Like he's awesome, and he had this thing called um, the Brain Oven. So what he does is he puts all the ingredients that he needs to think of. So everything that it's in the brief reads all the research and then just puts it in the brain oven and then comes back to it. And then hopefully two days later, bing, it's ready and something's <laughs> developed. So it's often you need that time. And I think that's a struggle at the moment. A lot of people don't have the time. Yeah. Um, but if you can find a way to go for a walk, just get your brain 
off what you're trying to think about. Often that'll help your subconscious come up with something after you work work with something and just leave it for a bit. You need that space to do the old overnight test. And it reminds me of a great um, little story that Lionel Hunt, who's obviously amazing advertising doyen in this country. Yes, yes. Um, but his shtick I remember reading about was um, he would get the brief, he'd read the brief, then he'd drink two bottles of red wine, and then whatever he, whatever he remembered in the morning was what the brief was about. And I think it's a really good way of looking about it, probably without the al- alcoholism, but it is often advertising and things. Everyone tries to do too much, um, but you need to do one thing really well. So if you try to say five things, people are only going to remember one of them anyway. So you may as well just say the one thing five times instead of saying five things one time. Um, so I think I think that's a good way to do it. It's just trying to simple, just always simplify pare it down and i guess that apocryphal story of winston churchill writing a letter saying apologies for the length the length of this letter i didn't have time to make it short shorter yeah you i know love what that. i always just, misassociate mis- misattribute that to someone else but it is uh, it was uh, it was winston churchill, it, wasn't it? it might be one of those things where um um what's his name from shawshank redemption gets credited for everything <laughs> yeah. uh what's his name I've gone blank on his name oh anyway. yeah morgan freeman yeah. morgan freeman yeah, it's like yeah. everything oh. on the internet is attributed to morgan freeman Morgan Freeman. Uh, that is quite funny actually yeah. yeah you just say it with a morgan freeman voice. anything that sounds <laughs> exactly. quite like a piece of prose just say exactly. it in morgan freeman's voice yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly and also i think a lot of things people go how do you be more crave and i just like you just need to do it. You just need to just, just do try, yeah. do more and more. That's why we did the book because you just you can do a few minutes a day. All of a sudden, you, I had fun doing that. I did it for five minutes yesterday. Maybe I'll do it for 10 minutes a day. Maybe I'll do it for 20 minutes. Maybe I'll use that way of thinking into this next business problem. So it's just trying things, doing things. It's like going to the gym. If you do 10 sit-ups a day, it's not going to make a difference. If you do 10 sit-ups, 50 push-ups, uh, go for a jog, all of a sudden over time, you're going to become fit. And that's the same thing you're going to do with your, with your brain and creativity. It's the same thing. You just do it more and more often. You'll get better at it. You'll have more fun and you'll just feel function a bit better, which is cool. Just on the topic of what you do and doing it every day, what are you currently doing and who are some of your clients you're working with at the moment? I do lots of things with advertising agencies just to, to, to pay the bills and do some fun stuff. So I've working just working with RGA in Singapore recently. I do lots of small agencies, uh, lots of lots of Australian and Sydney agencies. Um, but I've all, we've also started doing these, uh, just launching right brain workshops. So because I want to try to help businesses be a bit more creative, not just advertising, not just marketing as well. So I've actually did a we did a right brain workshop for Monash University recently, which was brilliant. We did some for PwC. We did a six to six hundred people at PwC and just helping people and just freeing them up. Um, even um, DDB City, we did one for DDB City. So we're just starting to do these things where we start to do some exercises, just sort of investigate how creative people can be. And we always try to do something where the business actually might get something at the end of it where they go, well, this is something we can take and make. And it's a lot of fun. Like I've had a lot of feedback, particularly, particularly around just how much fun it is and how people actually get to know each other more. Sure. Then they yeah. maybe usually they're thinking working day to day with things. But if you explore, like we often explore, who are your creative heroes? What inspired you as a kid? You know, who here used to do drawings when you were five years old? Everyone puts their hands up. Who still does drawings now? Nobody. Like, you know, so let's help go back to that five year old place where yeah. everyone is laughing all the time and everyone's exploring everything's new and exciting yeah. but when you're an adult you hang out with a bunch of adults and there's not much laughter unless they've had unless they're at the pub and they've had a few drinks and they've loosened up so we want to try <laughs> to get people to loosen up without the drinking um and that's because it's fun 
and you know, and we've found it's been really businesses have been really, really impressed by how much fun it is and how much they want to put more creativity into their work because they know that they need to be more creative to survive. Like all the biggest companies are all creative. Like Elon Musk, he's so creative because he's got all these things going on, and that's what I find amazing about some creative people is that they have forty five, fifty. Different, different forms things. of creativity yeah. there's so many things on the go and that's cool because you're always coming up with new Come. things you're dealing with different people one time you're talking to scientists then you're a math- mathematician then it's an artist and a designer and you get to, you get to have all these amazing incredible minds around yeah. you and you get to sort of tap into them and get to have you know just really interesting conversations with people and you never know what happens when you start talking well, that's, about that's ideas part of the reason people. why i love doing this you know just uh, and like yourself i i don't have a huge pool of friends that i'm in constant contact with and and i i but i do know that i really like making new connections and and the topic that i'm most interested in is just the way our brains work and the creative mm. stuff that we can do when we you know when we knock our heads together you know i think mm. this sort of stuff's really cool and you talked about creative heroes who who's your creative hero uh, i can't go past william s burroughs because i mean just the way he just so different way of writing like his cut up technique we'd write paragraph and then get the scissors out and just chop it up just so different way of thinking like i think bowie ended up doing that sort of stuff as well uh i just always used to read him um probably a bit of a effed up unit fair to say as well like a lot of creative people but just so uh, always thought thought that it was just so fresh and original um but then there's you just look at just look at anything that you do and the the craft and the creativity behind anything is kind of amazing like sometimes you just you just i'm like like here i'm sitting underneath they've got like um you know heating that's through the roof and you just look at the the amount of effort and time and the amount of people that are involved to make that thing the history of that thing it's mind-boggling how many clever people are involved in every little thing that we hold and we completely ignore it we just take it for granted yeah and that, totally that that's yeah. the most thing that's inspiring like you hold up you hold your phone and you've got every fact that humanity has ever thought of <laughs> is in within your reach which is, yeah, insanity. It is insanity and we kind of just ta- we take we it take for granted, for granted yeah. it's incredible like it's amazing so that's my biggest inspiration is just like everything is 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 inspiring if you look at it enough. Yeah. Have you seen any films or do you listen to other podcasts other than this one and your one? Joe Rogan is always good because he has such wide-ranging conversations with a bunch of completely random people. Like one time it'll be like a, a you know, US Army chief and then it'll be like a guy who's into um, UFOs and then it'll be, Kun- and then it'll be Kanye for president. Kanye West. And- oh, speaking of creativity, did you hear the Kanye oh. interview? Did you hear that? Like, yeah, that it was amazing. And like he, by he, the end of it, you're like, oh, I want to vote for Kanye. Oh, like, totally. <laughs> it's amazing. That was amazing. Like I thought initially yeah. he was quite scattered, you know. He totally. flipped from topic to topic. He was like, all over with the With such fluidity. And you started the, our conversation by talking about it's like playing jazz. Now, that guy was playing jazz in his totally. mind and yeah. his mouth just couldn't keep up with the, with the rhythm, you know, because yeah. there were these constant yeah. topics that were just ebbing and flowing and changing and shifting. And then towards the end of it, you go, I get your rhythm, man. I yeah. get it. It's jazz. And, well, it's well jazz, when, when Joe know? Rogan asked him about, um, so what would be your response to foreign policy in this sort of sense? And he, he Kanye just went silent for like 10 or 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, sorry, I'm just... I'm just, I'm just having a, I'm just giving myself a little prayer now. I'm just praying to God because he's obviously found God massively. And then Joe Rogan was like, "Why are you pausing? Because the whole time you've been going." And Kanye was like, "Well, I actually don't have the answer for that. 
at the moment. I'm not going to sit here and make up that I know this is what we're going to do in Palestine or this is what we can do in China and this is what we can do in Korea. I don't have the answer. But if I become president, I will get the smartest minds in the world who know all the background about that and I will listen to them and I will think about it then and then I can come up with an answer. And I've actually thought, even though he's so his he's campaign was so random or so out there, it was actually the most sane thing I've heard a politician ever say. <laughs> I don't have the answer. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to make believe that I can just say this and I know it. I'm going I'm to have to talk to people and really, really think yeah, about it. Yeah, in a world of Which populism I, and, yeah. and presidents that play on this populist movement. Yeah, he, I thought it was he really He sounded pretty sane. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. I know. You're doing all this work to help people unlock their creativity. And if you could wrap up your philosophy or your approach, into a little bite of wisdom. What would that be? I heard a story, and I love this story. I heard it on a secular Buddhism podcast, which I love. You should all listen to that as well. Very mindfulness and saying there was this thing where he was telling a story about there was a picture of three kids. There was two kids on the outside were frowning. The kid in the middle was smiling, and so they took this photo to people in Western society, like America, you, you know, Australia, Britain, and so is that kid in the middle happy? And they're like, of course, the kid's happy. They're smiling. You take the same photo, you take it to Eastern countries, and they say, is that kid in the middle happy? And they're like, we can't be. His friends are unhappy. So I think we need to flip it to that. Like that's what I try to do is like. I like to try and come up with things that you can help people. Like for all these amazing people, there's a lot of people who are struggling in the world who have got afflictions that they can't control, disorders, diseases, social problems. There's a lot of serious things in the world. Maybe we can do something that can help so we can make more people happy. And by doing making more people happy, you can make yourself happier. So there's no downside to helping people because everyone wins. So let's do the thing where everybody wins. Let's stop, let's stop competing. Would you say let's that stop. was your bite of wisdom in a sentence? Let's do yeah. the thing where everybody wins? Well, how yeah, would you sum I, that up? Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> let's do the thing where everybody wins. We've got the books to help people do that. We've got rightbrainworkout.com. That's where you can get the books. We've also set up a digital version of it called the Right Brain Kickoff. So you can sign up to that and get a different different little challenge in your inbox every day. Fantastic. Um, and we can listen to the, the podcast and just be more creative. We've got all these things on the go. We can all do these things. Like I'm, You'll share, oh. you'll share links with me. Um, yeah, sure. And I'll post these links, guys. Please get behind the Million Dollar Teddy Bear. Million Dollar yeah, Teddy Bear. MillionDollarTeddyBear.com. Get, get among it. Alex Wadelton, it has been an absolute pleasure. I am so thankful that I got the chance to meet you. Uh, you're a champion of a human being. You're doing great things for heaps of people out there, man. Thanks for having me. Can I just end on one thing as well? I'm not the smartest, not the brainiest person, not the, probably not the most creative person, but you, you can just go do it. If I can do it, you guys can all do it a lot better than me, so just go for it. <laughs> anyone can do it. Really, anyone can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Thanks again, Alex. I really appreciate your time, man. And, um, yeah, it's been, an, it's been fantastic, man. Thank you. No, no worries. Let's no keep worries, in touch, man. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Cheers. Thanks, brother. If you'd like to find out more about me or the B-Side podcast, please visit jamesbside.com. That's one word, jamesbside.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at B-Side Podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback on the show, please email me at hello at jamesbside.com. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. The B-Side with James Barrow is produced by me, and I really hope it's helped unlock your creative potential. Thanks for listening, and until next episode, cheers. <laughs>